What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 240 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Friday evening, uh, late into the night here, and usually when it's late in the night, I am joined by West Coast correspondent Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. We've we've been doing these a couple of years now, and I don't think I've ever spent my Friday night with you. So this is a uh, this is a rare treat. Yeah, uh, uh, candidly, I'm pretty sure that at least one of us, if not both of us, if there was not a pandemic going on, would not be available on Labor Day weekend, hmm. Friday night. But because uh, I I'm not traveling, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm uh, we're hanging around, and there was a crazy amount of baseball that happened today, and I figured. That it would be good to have people maybe have uh, people will be traveling in the next day or two might want some podcast listening to pass the time in the car. Also, uh, this is a good time for us to record because there was a doubleheader and uh, just looking ahead Sunday night will not will not have a podcast unless there's something crazy that happens. This will be your weekend podcast and then we'll rejoin you next week. But it was a good time. It worked out and uh, here we are to talk about everything that transpired, including game two today, which we will hold off on for now, Scott. But uh, it was quite. A display of baseball on Friday evening for the Braves. But before that, there was lots of success for the Braves. I'm going to choose, uh, in in the spirit of this podcast, Scott, to be very, very positive on this show and talk about the first four games that were all wins since our pod on Monday with Eric and I, which we recorded during Monday's game. Um, In short, the Braves won four games in a row to begin this week. Uh, And in the five games... Since Monday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the off day on Thursday, and then the two games on Friday, they had 13 home runs, and a lot of that was like uh, history-making or at least extremely notable home runs. You have three from Marcelo Zuna on Tuesday. You have three from Adam Duvall on Wednesday. And then Freddie Freeman's first career Grand Slam on Friday. Uh, And again, they ended up losing, which is unfortunate. But Freddie's Hmm. smile... When he was going around the bases, was uh, yeah. all time fun. Uh, that's not our brand necessarily, but man, that was that was a good time when Freddie finally did it, and we were all uh, happy to see that. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like I mean, it is. It's a running joke that this guy has been one of the best hitters in all of baseball for what five, six, seven years now. Finally got one, absolutely destroyed it. Even his wife, uh, Chelsea, I think tweeted that she was happy he finally did it after all those chances. And I mean, again, it's just one of those weird, quirky things in baseball, right? I mean, I think only in baseball could you have a player of that uh, talent and skill level to never have a grand slam. You look back and, and of course, uh, (laughs) opportunity is needed. And it's just one of those things. I think you get enough chances. Ultimately, Freddie was going to run into one. It's unfortunate it was a game the, the Braves did not win, but... Uh, I'm sure it was quite the monkey off his back, and now we don't get to joke about it anymore. So I guess that's a <laughs> that's the trade off. Absolutely, uh, and you know it was a it was still a high impact home run. It went from a four uh, run defi- four run deficit to a tie game on that swing. So it wasn't like it was for naught. Uh, it just didn't end up materializing from there. Uh, let's just quickly go through what happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before we focus on today. Um, sort of in our rundown here, Monday, uh, Max Fried was kind of human. By his standards, but they still won anyway. He was still good, just not incredible. Um, you had a good game from Marcakis with three hits. Duvall hit a home run even before his uh, three home run outburst later on. And the bullpen was good, except for Will Smith. So let's talk about Will Smith for a second, too. Uh, Will Smith was bad on Monday. He gave up a home run again today. And now in his uh, abbreviated season, and again, we should point out, he did have the COVID, the delayed start, uh, all that stuff. So there are there is some noise involved with Will Smith 
but five home runs allowed against 35 batters. So he's allowing a home run to every seven plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously a super small sample size. And actually, all of his other numbers look pretty good. But uh, you don't love to see that from the uh, guy the Braves gave the big multi-year contract to. And I know you were not with me on the Monday Night Podcast when the Braves did nothing at the deadline. But uh, it is still kind of amusing that the one time that this front office has given out a long-term deal, uh, it was to Will Smith. And so far, again, all caveats applied, yeah. COVID, etc. It's not going very well. <laughs> no, he's been – I mean, really, it's kind of the one – uh, glaring hole in the bullpen right now is is well Smith he hasn't been good uh, he's left he's getting uh, I think the fastball velocity is coming back but it, he's just yep, he's hanging is. he he hung a bad slider to Trey Turner tonight um, and it's it, Trey it's Turner not... Trey, Trey Turner is awesome so that's that's worth saying too like getting sure. up a home run to Trey, to Trey Turner is not the end of the world but when it's your fifth one and I think it's eight appearances yeah 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 I mean it's just not and, and really I think the broadcast talked about it a bit. And I think it is true at this point, you do just need to let will kind of figure it out. And even, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like it, you can live with it because even if the division is not wrapped up, the playoffs are, I mean, it would require the Braves to win like three games the rest of the way in order to not make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Um, Even, even after it's just to that end, since we're talking about it, even after the the loss in the second game tonight, five thirty eight still has the Braves at a greater than 99% chance to win, to win, to make the playoffs. So uh, yeah, it's almost a formality at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're 23 and 15, so truly, other than like the wheels absolutely falling off, and I guess you never say never, but ultimately yeah. I think going back to Will Smith, you have to figure out, you have to get him going. He is such a weapon when he's good. And I think there have been flashes where he's yep. had a couple appearances where he looked like the guy he was in San Francisco where lefties literally had no chance and righties, that that slider would just, it would look like it's coming right down the plate and it would end up about two inches above their back foot. Um, he's not been sharp. As you said, the COVID thing, the delay, it sounds like he really couldn't do much for a couple of weeks. So, uh, maybe he's a little behind. I'm sure ramping up midsummer was going to be a challenge for most guys anyway, let alone, uh, being shut down for that extra period of time. So hopefully you give him a few chances. Maybe you try to work him into a couple games when it's not, uh, seven, seven in the, <laughs> a tie game late and facing, a handful of pretty solid right-handed bats, but ultimately you do have to get Will going and, and uh, you do have a couple of weeks to hopefully make him that late inning weapon that they signed him to be. Yeah. I'm not, I'm actually not too worried. Uh, that's kind of the broad strokes about this is that, you know, the signs have been okay. I just wanted to make sure we pointed it out because he gave up the home run today. People were asking about that kind of make, making fun of the contract and all that stuff. It's too early to worry about the deal. Um, we talked about at the time it wasn't one we were absolutely in love with, uh, even when it happened, just because multi-year deals for relievers at big money are not the greatest business usually, but he's still a guy who looks fine to me in general. Now, now, now the velocity is back. Uh, just wanted to point that out since we were talking about Monday's game, and he wasn't great, but it was still a win for the Braves um, on Monday. And on Tuesday, a comfortable win, a 10-3 win. That was the three-homer game for Ozuna, who remains uh, out of his mind for the most part with the way that he is hitting the ball. His his batted ball profile is just obscene. Um, his <laughs> Just the way that he hits the ball. We, we knew this going in yeah. uh, to some extent. When they signed him, we loved that. And part of that was that he just hits the ball so hard, and he had some luck issues last year. This year it's translating, and uh, that was the story of Tuesday. It was his three-homer game. But also Ian Anderson pitched very, very well again. Six innings, six hits. Two runs, um, eight strikeouts, and, and just just one walk for Anderson. So, uh, a lot of good from Tuesday, obviously. In addition to just a comfortable win, just a lot of individual performances that were nice. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Marcelo Zuna. There was so much to like about his his profile. 
Um, he, he was kind of weird coming into the year because, as we know, his at least on a production and uh, stats perspective, he's kind of been all over the place the last few years. But there were so many things to like. And as we're seeing, even his outs are hard. He's not somebody who's just rolling over to the shortstop time and time again. Um, he's absolutely locked in. A guy who had a reputation uh, talking with Craig Mish, uh, the Marlins beat writer and national. I think he does national radio. You know, his Ozuna's MO in Miami was he would go on these stretches where he would go a week without making an out. I mean, truly every night it seemed like he had three hits uh, just punishing the ball right now. You hope he can keep it going. He is streaky by nature. So hopefully uh, you're going to get him on the upswing as the games take on a little more importance in another month. But uh, yeah, Ozuna's been awesome. It's It's been a great one year addition. And I think uh, as long as the DH is going to stick around and I think most people think it will. Uh, an obvious candidate to keep around well beyond this year. Yep, it's been fun to watch him. Uh, it seems to be fitting him quite well, um, and that's all going very well, so keep it up, Marcel. Um, Wednesday was the sweep victory, the fourth straight win at that point in time. It became five uh, early on Friday, but Wednesday, uh, we'll start with Robbie Irwin starting again. Uh, that was controversial when it happened. Um, I will say, to give them somewhat of the benefit of the doubt, um, it would have been a little bit interesting to change the travel plans and all that stuff and have to not have to start again. But uh, five five runs and four innings. Um, and the, the worst part about that, for me anyway, was the fact that he inexplicably started the third time through the order, which we all knew was going to end poorly in the fifth inning. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew Everyone. that. Everyone yep. said it ahead of time, except for Brian Snicker. Um, and, you know, what else is there to say? that's just it's terrible process to have this long reliever essentially you know fill in starter guy who i'm not trying to pile on it's not great um you get through you get through four it's going not that well anyway but you throw him out there for the start of the fifth and uh yeah it just was a bad a bad moment they won the game anyway i understand that so we'll focus on that in a second but um i want to just stop there because it was obviously the main topic of monday's podcast what are your what are your thoughts right now i I, I was trying not to leave with this because uh, we talked about it so much on Monday, but you were not here. Um, mm. The Braves doing nothing at the deadline, except for Tommy Malone, who we'll, t- we'll come back to in a second. But uh, how was the Erlen saga for you, and did you have the same ver- visceral reaction that I did when he yeah. started the fifth inning on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say this. The Braves are good. They are winning games. Like As we just said, they're going to make the playoffs. This is a really good roster. But <laughs> it is not honestly acceptable to have – this much managerial malpractice, honestly. I mean, it's one thing if you go to the reliever, process versus results, right? If you do the smart thing and it backfires on you, if you bring in the reliever, as everybody was saying, look, don't let Erlen go again, and it backfires on you, that's okay. Obviously, you want to win the game. You don't, (laughs) right. But if you bring in Chris Martin in that situation or uh, Shane Green or Tyler Matzik, who's been awesome, Minter, whoever, and they give up a three-run homer, that's okay because the process was right. When literally everybody is saying, do not let Erland go back in this game. And he lets him go back out in the game, and he promptly gives up a couple of hits, and it leads to a couple of runs for the Red Sox. That that just can't happen. It can't happen in a normal year. It especially can't happen in a 60-game season. And guess what? The playoffs are in four weeks that absolutely cannot happen in a shortened playoff situation. So um, I think it's it's a recurring theme. 
I, I think when Brian Snicker has a lead, he's he's okay. He makes some pretty solid decisions, ones I think are obvious. But all bets are off whenever the Braves are tied or trailing is when it's just like, dude, what are you what are you doing here? You have a good bullpen. They were not heavily taxed the couple days before. It's not like they had just played a couple of double headers and they had no other options. Um, I, I truly did not understand that, and it's really it was kind of a theme throughout the entire week. Again, yeah. despite the five and one record, it's a recurring problem and one that they're not going to keep being able to overcome no matter how good. You can't expect the offense to bail you out every single night. Right, and that's this is a prime situation where, especially this Erlen thing, it's it seems small in the grand scheme because it could, maybe it is, but uh, especially because you know there's this whole side of the fan base that will just point out that you know they didn't give up a run in that inning, and I understand that um, because they bailed out after the bullpen came in. The bullpen was incredible on Wednesday, so shouts to the bullpen. But um, again, process over results. Like the first two batters reached base, they got out of it, bases loaded, one out, and didn't didn't allow a run, and then by the uh, you know, by the end of that sixth inning, they were uh, back uh, either tied or in front because of the offense. But yeah, just the the process was not good there. There was lots of process things from today as well that we'll touch on in a second. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to pile on pile on Robbie Erlin, but uh, I, I'm ready for Robbie Erlin to not be starting games anymore mm-hmm. as well. Just go upside. I don't, I don't want to do the whole rant again from Monday, but um, yeah. I, I'm all set on that. Um, yeah, I will say I know. Uh... I want to say that it's Kyle Wright has been supposedly pitching better in in the uh, alternate yes. site. There's some um, noise about that. And I believe that he is uh, lined up with Erland. So maybe it's the last we'll see of Robbie Erland. As you said, it is a little weird to work in a player for traveling when they're on the road this year. But again, um, yeah. And there uh, makes it easier because this week they're at home until thursday so they're at home through wednesday that makes it uh if they want to make some changes that excuse is not applicable this week because they can uh, just slide those guys though down the street down 85 to atlanta so that's uh, one thing to file away for sure uh in addition to the to the bullpen being great on wednesday uh that was the adam duvall three homer game and uh the stat that everyone has probably seen but ozuna and duvall joined babe ruth and lou gehrig from 1930 as the only teammates in baseball history to have three three homer games in back to back days, and even then, Ruth and Garrett needed double headers on both days to do it. So it actually was like legitimately the first time in back to back games, back to back days that teammates did this. That's pretty ridiculous, especially when you mm-hmm. factor in the you know the we are very pro Adam Duvall, but it wasn't like it was Ronnie and Freddie. <laughs> you know, it was Ozuna and Duvall is a good player, but Ozuna's uh, Duvall's not a star by any means. So that makes it even more incredible. Yeah, yeah, I mean. You do anything uh, since <laughs> Ruth and Gehrig, that's pretty freaking cool. I mean, I, again, it doesn't matter what the stat is, what you did. If you do anything like, like those two guys and something that hasn't been done for 90 years uh, is pretty cool. So, yeah, they're super locked in. Um, I'm glad to see Adam Duvall doing really well. He's given a chance to play pretty much every day, and he has run with it, even if he did cool down a bit. Uh, it turns out hitting four home runs in two days does a lot for your numbers and and um, really, again, it's just the lineup as a whole is, is so locked in right now. You you think about adding Ozzy Albies, hopefully, and, and guys, I think inevitably some of these guys are going to cool down a little bit. But uh, really right now, other than second base, you have eight legitimately good hitters in the lineup, and, and that's a scary thought. Yeah, to your point about Duvall, uh, and this this was correct. There, there was some chatter, including from us, I think, on Twitter about Duvall and his numbers overall before this outbreak. And really, it was down to the splits that we've all, that we have all mentioned a hundred times. Uh, you know, having Adam Duvall play every day is not 
ideal. Uh, is it better than Ender Enciarte? Yes, but Adam Duvall against right-handed pitching generally is not incredible. He's you know he's playable, but um, the splits were kind of dragging him down. Obviously, this week now he's up to a 109 WRC plus for the season again. That's obviously quite solid for someone who can play defense as well. So uh, it, it helps to have that ex- that explosion. But there was a little chatter, and if he has another cool week against right-handed pitching, it'll probably come back. But it's uh, muted at the moment. Um, last thing I want to touch on is before we get to a break is the first game on Friday. Um, the more fun game, we should say, uh, Ronald Acuna returns. That was the headliner from Friday morning and afternoon. Um, after an, after extended absence, uh, that was nice to see Ronnie, uh, definitely healthy because he homered to lead off the game. Then he had another one later in game one. And then, uh, spoiler alert, a third in game two. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Brian Snicker, who we are going to criticize and already have on this podcast. Um, he made a tongue-in-cheek, uh, self-deprecating comment after game one in which he said, and I quote, some dumbass kept him out of the lineup, uh, sorry, kept, 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 kept him out of the leadoff role early last year, end quote. Uh, so shout out to Snip for acknowledging that. We all knew it was a disaster when it happened. But... Now he's leaning into the bit, which is fun. And, uh, of course, Ronald Acuna being back, is uh, we all know, is a good thing. There's not really much analysis there, but when the guy hits three home runs in his first game back, it's a reminder of how ridiculous he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he makes the game look so easy. I mean, he misses time. What's he do against Garrett Cole a week and a half ago in his first game back? He launches a 470-foot homer, uh, and then he hits two in game one and then another one in game two. Um for a guy who has a slow start for him to have like a 170 WRC plus and an OPS above a thousand is just insane. And I think when you watch him, he's so, he just looks so in command, I think is, is what stands out for me. Um, I think his zone and plate discipline has really improved. That was something we wanted to see last year. And he did strike out a little bit uh, more than he should have early in the year. I think everybody was just as the hitters were ramping up, but uh, Ronnie is super locked in. He can, he continues to get better and better and um, having him at that top spot. Yeah. Hats off to Snit. I, I laughed pretty good at that. Um, good on him for leaning into that. If he listened to the talking chop podcast, it would have never happened, Brad, but, <laughs> um, but uh, I was, I can tell you that, he does not listen to this podcast. I, I will yeah. bet my life on Snicker. Never, never having heard this podcast, which is probably I good for that's us. That's a safe. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet. But yeah, it was when I saw that, I was like, man, did he really say that? So the video is pretty great. If, if, uh, Anyone listening didn't see that or missed it, you know, driving home from work or whatever it was. It was uh, it was a good quote to be sure. And that's one of those things. It's a reminder that uh, even with our qualms with Snickers tactical ability, uh, you can see every once in a while the personality and stuff that people love about him. And that was one of those moments where he had that kind of wry smile. And yeah, you can see how it sells uh, with that kind of comment. And it was uh, good on him for sharing it. Um other than that, in game one, a couple of good defensive plays I wanted to highlight. Uh, uh, Hechevarria, who has not played a lot, started at second base and made a nice yeah. play, sort of a, a run-saving catch in the first inning, and then Adam Duvall robbed a home run later in the game. Uh, still allowed a run on that play, but saved a run in the process. So uh, shots about those guys. And also Tommy Malone was notably better uh, in his second start. Of course, he couldn't have been as bad as his first start, probably. Uh, he didn't look incredible, which is worth pointing out, but given that he was the, uh, he was the big deadline acquisition, Scott, Ooh. they uh, went all in on Tommy Malone. I'm, I'm kidding on that, obviously. But I yeah. I will say, you know, even with all slander towards that uh, whole week of decision-making, Malone is someone who was never as bad as he was the other day, and he looked better in this game and yep. deserves a third start, if not more than that. We'll see what they do beyond that. But uh, he'll, he'll be getting another start, and he probably should. 
Yeah, the first game, again, you don't want to make excuses because he was staked to a big lead and, and he should have been able to get through more than he did. But, you know, in a 24-hour span, he, he was flown on a private charter. He probably shows up to the park an hour or two before. Uh, you're in there, sat, You're in there, kid. Go out, go out uh, and get him. Yep, and go yeah. get him. And, and then he sat for maybe 30 or so minutes uh, when the Braves put on 10 runs in the inning. So, as you said, Malone was not great in the first game. Uh, Adam Duvall robbed the home run, which saved a run. Um, he was starting to get hit. I was honestly, for him to escape four innings of just one run was like best case scenario because he, yep. he was starting to get hit. He was. Uh, I guess I guess uh, Snick gets a little credit for pulling him there, even if it was the obvious choice. Um, but yeah, you probably give him another start. It would, it would line him up for a midweek start and see um, if, if there were a whole bunch of other options, I think. I think you could probably cut bait at that point. But um, as you said, two starts, he's been bad in one and okay today. If, if he's somebody who can at least throw strikes for the most part and hopefully not get the ball up in the zone, he left a couple pitches up in the zone in that fourth inning when he got hit hard. Um, he is somebody who sits mid-80s with not much else. He has to pound that low and away corner. Yep. And if he's not hitting it or if the umpire isn't calling it for him, things are going to go south in a hurry. Yeah, strong agree. He's not inspiring. Uh, if he had been the second deadline in the acquisition, everyone would have been just fine with it. Um, I was okay with that move, just individually trading for, as a reminder back to Monday, if anybody hadn't heard that podcast yet, I'm totally fine trading for Tommy Malone for what they gave up for him. It was perfectly reasonable to do that. Uh, he's a depth piece. He's not impressive. They gave up probably very little for that. That was totally fine. It was just, so it's yeah. not on, it's not, it's not on that, on not on that move necessarily that we were all frustrated yeah. about. It was everything else. Um, okay. Well, after a quick break here, Scott, we'll come back, talk about game two from Friday, a little bit less fun, and then we'll get into a mailbag question, et cetera, et cetera. So hold on to everybody. All right, Scott, and uh, the fair caveats, this is going to be a little bit negative, I would imagine. Uh, game two, a lot of interesting things. Even before the game started, uh, they went with Yenoa. Uh, they pushed Josh Tomlin back to Sunday, giving Ian Anderson an extra day, so essentially they have run a six-man rotation with four guys who aren't starting pitchers in the major leagues, which is not what, not what you want. Uh, bold, bold choice. Yeah. So that started uh, an interesting fashion. Um, from there, they, of course, you know, they get down fairly big. It was 7-3 before the, uh, before the Freddie Grand Slam, and it felt like it was going to get uh, away, let's just say. Um, yeah. Once Freddie hits the Grand Slam, it bounces back into real life. But you know it was bad, uh, and so was Luke Jackson. Uh, so at the top, I don't want to blame you, Noah, that that's just a situation that's going to happen sometimes. And if nothing else happened, they've been down seven, three and the game was over there. We would have had a lot less to talk about today. We already mentioned Will Smith yeah. giving up the home run and Freddie's grand slam, but, uh, people were mad about this. I was not mad about them pushing Ian Anderson back. Cause I assume, and this is a bold assumption, I, I suppose that he, they just think that he could use an extra day of rest. I don't really worry about that necessarily. He's been good in his two starts. Um, you know, is it better to have some other options other than Enoa and Tomlin and Erlin? Uh, yes, it is. But I wasn't too worried about that. And Enoa is a talented guy, but shouldn't be starting. And we saw that today. No, no. And again, he, the infrequent use of him is probably not doing anybody any favors either. Yep, agreed. Uh, the command was off. There was there was a stretch where he was throwing strikes, and you can see. I mean, his stuff is filthy. Um, if he can throw strikes, oh, for sure. we saw, I think it was in Philadelphia where he made a spot start when he's throwing strikes, he is a legitimately good big league pitcher. Oh, it's our, just, our, our prospect guys love him and they always, and yeah. they always kind of have, but at the same time, that doesn't mean he's a major league oh. starter <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I think, again, it goes back to the whole, you know, Anthopolis not doing anything at the deadline. As you said, they're effectively at a six-man rotation right now uh, to give, as you said, Anderson probably in the ramp-up that he had in the shortened season. You're going to want to keep him fresh. You probably want to give him extra time if you can. But when your rotation is is truly freed, Anderson and Prey, um, it, it goes back to just why nothing was done. Alas, um, yes. yeah, it, it was not a great start, as you said. Um, I, I think Luke Jackson is somebody who was so good last season. He was a great story. He was almost underrated. Uh, his metrics were all really good. Um, all of those metrics have completely done a 180, and he has been bad. Uh, it seems like every time he comes in, whether there's somebody on base already or there's not, he's giving up a couple of hits. Uh, he has not been good this year. He's not getting swings on his slider, which is a concern, which was such a good pitch last year. So at this point, I would hope that Luke Jackson is relegated to uh, blowout duty or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, Luke's numbers don't look that bad. He has a 4.02 ERA. That's not good. It's not terrible. He probably needs to be one of your low-average guys, which is fine. He's still a major league reliever. That's fine. Um, most teams, he would be perfectly fine. Um, the Braves happen to have a lot of better options, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. Like Especially in a season in which the Braves have gotten real production out of Minter and out of Matzik, kind of out of nowhere, especially for Matzik. Um it's been nice where they haven't needed Luke as much, and that's okay. I mean, you know, it probably stayed in too long too. Like they let him start the start the order again when he probably didn't have it, and I wouldn't have done that. But it was a doubleheader. You get a little bit longer leash on that one. I'm not going to pick on Snit too much for for doing that. Um, from there, it gets really it gets really interesting. Obviously, the the, the Freddie Grand Slam at seven to seven. Um, then Will Smith gives, Will Smith gives up the home run. You know, we'll see. Uh, it's eight it's eight seven. Then, uh, at 8-7, they bring in Patrick Weigel. Now, Patrick Weigel made his Major League de- debut today. Uh, he, he was caught up three times last year. Our prospect guys like him a lot, a talented guy. Um, he never pitched last year, though. He finally did in the seventh inning of a doubleheader today, down one. Now, the big, the big question, or I guess talking point, was in the first game, when the Braves had a commanding lead, they threw out AJ Minter um, to end the game uh, at seven to one, I believe it was. Yeah, seven to one. Yeah, seven one. in the seventh. Now Minter, of course, former closer, all that stuff was terrible, blew up, and now this year has been awesome. It's a small sample size, but he looks great. Um, mm-hmm. And regardless, we can all agree that AJ Minter. Right now, with the way he looks, is a better option than Patrick Weigel and someone who the Braves have used in situations where they have needed quality. Um, so they, they go to Minter to end the game. And I know they're winning and you want to win the game, but you're up six. If you have Patrick Weigel on the roster, you got to think that you can get him on the field there, up six. And if he runs into trouble, yeah. then you can bring in somebody else, bring in Minter. You're up six runs uh, mm-hmm. in the last inning of the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so all, all, all that to say, they use Minter there. So obviously a lot the, the guys you're using in game one, you're not available in game two. So your bullpen is short. But you're down one. Weigel comes in in the seventh, down one run. Was it the sixth? One of those. Down one run at the end of the game. And I I know they're losing, but that's a pretty high leverage spot to be putting your guy who's making a major league debut. He comes in, gets smacked around. Uh, 
I, I thought it was pretty nonsensical. We talked about this. People were talking about this on Twitter like well before game two even started. Like, why is Mitchell in this game right now? Up six. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't reactionary, but just the confluence of events. I know it's it's kind of unfortunate for Snicker that he had to use basically everyone in this game. But before we even get to Culberson and that whole sideshow, uh, let's stop here. What, what did you make of <laughs> kind of using? I guess the best way that I will say it is being comfortable enough to use Weigel down one run in a high level situation, yep. but not up six. I know one one is winning and one is losing, but uh, I can tell you this for sure: down one is a much higher leverage spot than <laughs> up six. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's truly what drives me the craziest about Snit. If he could figure out how to, I think, better assess what is a winnable game when you're losing versus a game when you're truly losing it's like ah whatever versus a as you said you're up seven to one in the seventh inning uh, bring in weigel even if he gives up a hit a hit a hit in a grand slam you're still up by two and you have plenty of t- you know what i mean and you go um, and you go to and you go to melanson or whoever right there right. i mean i'm not saying you have to just put weigel out there and if he dies he dies but you're up <laughs> six man and i know he's he's the extra guy in this game uh, in this set of games, he's never pitched before. But if there was ever a spot to use him, you you can't assume, like once, especially with the Braves' rotation right now, and the fact that Free was pitching neither of these two games, Sicker yeah. had to know he was going to probably have to use everybody in these two games. So yeah. if you're going to use Patrick Weigel at any point, it's hard to believe that you could project it to be a lower leverage spot in Game Two when you're up six in the seventh inning. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me, just process wise. I think you have to assume if you're the manager, knowing that your game two starter is Yanoa, that you're going to need probably everybody in game two. So throw Weigel. Like, I mean, it doesn't make it's a little thing. I know this, and I can already hear people like yelling at the podcast right now about how, the, how, how this isn't important. And I know the Braves are in the playoffs, all this stuff. It's just a process thing that will drive you crazy because it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense if you step back and look at it. Well, for sure. And again, this year, if this was 162 games, I think you'd say, okay, whatever. It is a long season. But this year, every game means more. Every game means is, is amplified two and a half times. And again, as you said, and as I've said, the Braves are winning. This is a good team. It is not a result of Brian Snickert by any means. Uh, this is a good team. I wish that the uh, decision-making on a nightly basis was significantly <laughs> better. Because... I have some uh, I have some context to throw it your way. I'm sure you haven't seen this because I just saw this on Twitter. So you ready for this? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, so after game two, Snicker just did his, his availability. We were not on it, but I'm looking on Twitter right now because we were already recording. Um, first, this is from Dave O'Brien. Uh, he said Snicker used Green and Minter in the first game because they were already warming up before it became a rout. Now, okay, that matters. I will say that. I'm not telling you how much it matters, but if if they if he thought they were going to be unavailable for game two, which he didn't, which he, I don't think he said. Just want to put that out. He didn't say that they were going to be unavailable for game two. They didn't pitch, but okay, that's at least part of the calculus that he said. Now, part two of this comment is that Snicker said that he used Weigel in game two, and I'm quoting I'm quoting Dob now because he wanted to make sure he had relievers available the next two days, and Weigel was the 29th man, so he used him, and. That that's the end of the explanation. Now, I I get that in theory um, that you wanted to use Weigel, but under that same premise, you could have used Weigel in the first game. Um, so also, I don't know. Yeah, and they had an off day on Thursday, so it's not like these guys are on their fourth out of fifth day or. Well, whatever. right, and they're not pitching. No, no one's pitching twice in the same day, so it's a very normal day for a reliever. 
yes, you would have used them all, but you know, that doesn't really hold water to me. I'm just telling you what the explanation was. And he, even DOB, he does not usually give the qualifier, uh, gave a parenthetical in the tweet that says, just telling you what he said, we asked. Oof. Yeah. So th- that's a good, that's a dead giveaway that even DOB is like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. He didn't say it that explicitly, but if you follow DOB on Twitter, he does not usually give that kind of uh, parenthetical. I will say that. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, this is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme. I'm well aware of that. It's right. just uh, one of those things that will make you crazy. Yeah, yeah uh, if this was game two of a playoff series, it's a whole different. I mean, oh, we're right. we're spending an hour on it if it's game two in a playoff series. I mean, yeah. it would we'd still be talking about it. Um, I do want to make sure we get to Culberson because this is the other crazy part about this. Oh my god. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so they put what? <laughs> sorry, it's like actually this is real after for me. Um, they're. Up one, they're, sorry, they're down one. Weigel looks awful. I'm not going to pile on Weigel. It's his first game of his career. It's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. He was bad. Uh, th- they're down three. And instead of letting Weigel just hang out there to probably lose the game, uh, Snit decides to bring in little-used utility man, Charlie Culberson, who, admittedly, Culberson is one of the best position player pitchers in the league. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that. But... You do not see position players pitching in a three-run game without it being an extra innings, ever. That does not happen. I know it's a doubleheader. I get all that. That does not happen. No one does that. Uh, and I know he got an out. It's just so funny. Like People were trying to say, like, oh, what a move. I, I mean, there, there were people on Twitter that were literally like, literally thinking that was great. that was a great process by Snit. It's like, you know, guys... Yeah, Charlie can get an out because Charlie can throw the ball hard and it's baseball. You can hit, like, like, that's yeah. what happens. But, like, man, uh, and that didn't matter. I mean, it didn't matter. I don't, because the game, they lost anyway. But I should have mentioned this before, but Weigel, the whole down one thing with Weigel, the Braves scored two runs in the bottom half of the inning. And yep. if they had held them, I know I'm not, I'm not the big guy that's like, oh, if they had held them, they would definitely would have won because, you know, situations are different. They might have yeah, pitched different sure. pitchers, all that stuff in the Nationals. But it just illustrates that. The lead is the game's not over down one, but we have to just talk about Culberson for a second. Like I have, yeah, I have never just... seen. I, I've watched a lot of baseball in my lifetime, Brad, and you have too. I have never seen a major league baseball manager go, <laughs> go to a position <laughs> player up th- or down three in a game that absolutely means something. This well, is not it, like. It, it... <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me, and I'll let you continue. But the game, like you said, the game means something. Weigel clearly was not like gassed. He hadn't pitched. It wasn't like he like had nothing left and like was going to get hurt if he left him in there. And honestly, the way that Snicker approached that inning, the only way to justify that is that, is that Snicker actually thought Culberson was better than Weigel in that spot. <laughs> I'm not yeah. kidding. Like, because otherwise, if you th- if you think about it. Unless Weigel's hurt, which I don't think he is, no, we've not we've not heard that or seen anything like that. They also still had Melanson, who they who, who they never used today. But the only way to justify that decision to go to Culberson is actually thinking that he was better than Weigel in that moment. Which think yeah. about that for a second. That that can't that can't possibly be true. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Culberson's a good position player pitcher. He throws the, he throws hard. Patrick Weigel is a professional baseball player that pitches like. There's no I I know Culberson got the out, but I just don't understand. Are you, I guess maybe you're trying to keep Weigel's confidence, and you think he's just got nothing. You you don't want to hang him out there. That would be the explanation for it, I suppose. But 
you're down three. The game's not over. I, I know you're probably going to lose <laughs> down three with only three outs to go. I totally get that. But you you chose to put in a position player over just letting the position over letting the pitcher continue to pitch and holding Melanson for today. I holding Melanson for Saturday makes sense. I totally get that. If you're if, if you're down three and it's like you know what, Mark, you're a little bit older. Take the day off. We'll use it tomorrow. Unless we tie mm-hmm. the game here, then then, then you're coming in. But going to Culberson, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I truly so. Uh, full disclosure, so I was doing a few things around the house knowing we had this podcast to do, and I tuned out for a second whenever uh, when Weigel was still out there. He had thrown like his 40th pitch, and I figured it was like inevitable that Trey Turner, who never makes an out against the Braves, by the way, no. uh, but Turner was going to gap one, and it was going to go from being 10-7 at that point to, you know, a, a sure, yeah, we're going to win. Probably not, but it's we almost, we almost started recording. I mean, to be yep. candid for the, for the audience, we, we were thinking about starting recording uh, when yep. it was, t- when it was 10-7. Um, yep. We didn't, which was, uh, I guess, fortunate for us, but yeah, it was. I, I really could not believe my, my eyes when I then made it back to the television and saw Charlie Culberson warming up on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, yeah. it's honestly part of this is probably that I'm really tired, but I'm, I'm, I actually like had this sense of like bewilderment slash joy slash laughter slash, I don't even know what the emotions are. Again, this doesn't matter, but just the, uh, <laughs> I have an in with someone that does uh baseball research and they came up with, the fact, this is unscientific. I will say this, but, uh, they came up with the fact the last time that they can find a position player pitching in a three run game or less. Um, in non-extra innings was 2017. Um, I guess someone, on, I guess someone on the Tigers was playing all nine, all nine positions in the same game, and it was it was in September. The, the season was over, and they weren't trying to win, and they tried to do that. Um, but before that, they couldn't. They had some trouble finding uh, a situation mm. like this. Um, I, I asked people on Twitter publicly about this, and a lot of the responses were like Babe Ruth and stuff like that, which is the, the funniest thing about that. <laughs> but uh. Let's just say it's extremely unusual, even in a doubleheader, all caveats, COVID, all that, to see a position player pitch down three yeah. runs in the seventh inning. But we saw it today, Scott. We made history. <laughs> even Chip Carey, who is like Mr. Brave and never like uh, – even he was like, what the hell is he doing? Like Charlie Colbert, it's a, it's a three-run game. It's a short season. They're only up like two games on the Phillies in the East. What, what was he – really? Yeah, uh, I mean it's, it's, uh, it is absolutely – Incredible. Yeah. I will say that. Um, okay. Well, a couple more things before we get out of here quickly. We've done our, we've done all of our rants. Uh, this is, we'll catch up on news and though I want to make sure we highlight Austin Riley. Um, Matt Adams is no longer in the organization. Uh, he got released after being DFA'd. Uh, he had a 44 WRC plus, and this is the kicker negative 0.5 Fangraphs war and 51 plate appearances. That is hard to do. Scott. Yeah, you got you got you got you got to be truly thing. terrible to be that that impactful in a negative way and that short of a, and that short of a sample size. Yeah, no, I mean again for for Adams to, of course he was cut. I think by the Mets. Uh, you know when Marquez opted out, we talked about how much of a scramble that was going to mean. Um, we I mean we we like the Adams move. I, I will be honest, I like the Adams move. It was it was fine. Yeah, yeah, worth a chance. You see what happens. He he did have a couple of. I mean, keyword couple, but a few big hits. He had that game tying triple, I think, or double, maybe double down the line. Um, he he had a couple of hits, but as you said, if you get fifty plate appearances and you're at negative, 
war just at all of, of any kind it's bad <laughs> let alone half of a win um yeah they they had to cut bait there well and he and he has to hit i mean we, we knew that when they signed him they knew that when he signed him is that they, they brought him in to hit right-handed pitching in a dh role pre-marcacus and adams has to hit he doesn't do anything else at all except for hit right-handed pitching and he didn't and he didn't do that so uh, i wish him the best he's had some good moments in the braves uniform but that was that was the that was the correct decision um from there cole hamels has a live BP session scheduled on Sunday, and apparently Snicker said he's going to need at least two of those to be ready to potentially pitch in the majors. But they are definitely leaving leaving the door open. There's been some positive buzz on Hamels. Um, you could see him in the regular season, and uh, I'm not sure that he'll have enough time to get ready to start a playoff game. That's not uh, for sure. But <laughs> regardless, uh, we've we've been saying this last couple, last couple of podcasts, but I'll say it again now: if you can get Cole Hamels in a situation where he is healthy and able to pitch. It is likely he is better than someone on your team right now, so yep. you're holding out. For, you're holding out hope. I, you can't bank on it at all. You absolutely cannot bank on Cole Hamels. But yep. given the situation that, that that they're in, it wouldn't stun me if Cole Hamels pitched Game Three of a playoff series. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> it would yeah. not stun. Me. Well, I mean, look who he has to beat out. I mean, that's Brad, what I mean. <laughs> you might be starting Game Three here if things keep progressing. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, if Hamels can give you anything, as we've talked about, he was pretty good last year. I have concerns. I mean, the guy has not thrown a competitive pitch in the major leagues for at least 11 months now. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been about leagues. a year. Yeah, been about a year. So, and he's 37. He's not a you know he's not a young man by any means. Um, we'll see if, if he gives the Braves something in September and October. It would be a welcome addition. But as you said, I think anything is just kind of. Uh, some gravy and and I just don't think anyone realistically can expect him to give all that much just because of the uh year that he's been down. Yeah. Uh and they'll they're revving him up slowly. They're definitely being careful with him. I know it's a one year deal, but they're not gonna risk the guy. Uh, they're gonna see how he's feeling. But Sunday's a big moment for him. We talked about Ozzy for a second earlier. He is apparently getting a little bit closer. They're not gonna hurry him, nor should they in the situation that they're in right now, um, especially Ozzy, you know, he's a long-term piece. Um, I know this year is an important one and that they could make a World Series run, but Ozzy Albies is signed forever at no money and they cannot risk uh, his future with a wrist. Yeah. You're dealing with something that's really important <laughs> there. So be careful with him. Uh, last thing for me anyway, is that Austin Riley has been incredible. Um, before Friday, he had eight, eight extra base hits in 13 games, and he was slugging almost 700. He homered again today. He's now, after that dreadful start that we, that we talked about previously, he's up to a 102 WRC+. plus. So Austin Riley is now an above-average hitter this year, which is wild considering where he was like two and a half weeks ago. We mentioned it in passing on Monday, Eric and I, but uh, let's just show some appreciation. Uh, you know, my guard is still up on Austin Riley because my guard's always up on prospects because he's, you know, he's had the hots and the cold and this is a hot streak, but uh, he looks the part right now. He looks better than he has really at almost any point. He's, uh, I think his approach has been better defensively. He's made some really nice plays at third base. Um, if you're, it, it's a good time to buy, I think on Riley, I'm not telling you that I'm a hundred percent sold on him being the guy long-term, but he looks great right now. He does. I mean, he looks so locked in and even before, the results were there. I think there were some underlying things that were encouraging, right? Yep. The strikeouts were going down. The hard hit rate was going up. Um, he is smoking baseballs right now. He's uh, not chasing as much. He's always going to be a guy who strikes out a little bit, just the nature of who he is. But um, everything is progressing in the right way. Again, you don't want to overreact to really at this point, a week and a half, two weeks of, of good performances. But 
Um, there is so much to like here. He looks so much more in command at the plate. He knows what he's doing. Like he has more of a, a real plan at the plate instead of just kind of going up there and hoping he runs into something, which was more what he looked like the first couple of weeks of the year. So all good things. If Riley's able to be, as we've talked about, even if he's able to be an average hitter at third, the way the defense has progressed, he's a good athlete. Um, that's a playable third baseman for this team, especially with some of the other stars that are on the roster. So uh, hopefully Austin's able to keep it up here. Right, and we, we talked Monday a ton about like swinging for upside and setting yourself up, up now, using this month of flexibility to set yourself up, up for the playoffs. Riley is playing because he's probably the best option already, but he certainly has the highest upside at third base of anybody, of anybody on the roster, not even close. So, you know, it's, good, it's a good sign that he's playing that well. Um, looking ahead to this week and, and next week, the Braves play against Saturday night. It's Max Freed against the Nationals, and then Sunday afternoon, it's going to be Josh Tomlin, and then uh, we'll see on Monday. I assume it's going to be Anderson. Um, mm-hmm. But Monday's game, by the way, is a one ten oh. start, and it's on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, everyone loves that. Labor, Labor Day one ten YouTube, and man, I I cannot imagine that Fox Sports Southeast is happy about that MLB decision to put the team because that's not their call. Oh. I'm very confident about yeah. that. That's yeah, that, that's a Rob Manfred's <laughs> office call to put them on YouTube uh, to put one of the biggest fan bases, and I, I get I guess you get it from their standpoint nationally because the Braves have a huge fan base, but the people will watch the game, but man, that's a huge day for Fox sports Southeast to not have a game. And yep. uh, just as a reminder, if you are watching Monday's game, you have to have a device of some sort that carries YouTube on it, uh, whether it be computer or, you know, fire stick or Apple TV or whatever. It is not going to be on Fox sports Southeast. So keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. I saw that come across. I forget who first said, it. I was like, are you kidding me? And as you said, I'm on sure Labor Fox day. sports is right. If it was like some random Wednesday day game, that ratings were going to be piss poor and it was like two nobody starters and stuff. But it's Ian Anderson day. It's Labor Day, which, you know, everyone's Ugh. home and there's not a whole lot to do. Uh, you know, it's not like the 4th of July where no one's really, you know, they're out grilling or on the lake or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> it would have not been my, not what you want to say that. Yeah. Not what you want. Uh, last question for you, Scott. Uh, mm. somebody just asked, asked me this on Twitter. So I saw it. I'm going to ask you now. Um, basically, we, we talk about playoff odds. I talk about them all the time. I have my, I have my thread of like three seasons worth of playoff odds every couple days. Um, as I said before, 99% or more on 538 right now to make the playoffs. Division odds, though, they're 77% at the moment on 538. They're generally in the 70s, maybe low 80s most places. How much do you care about winning the division? I know this is that's a bizarre question because obviously you, want, you obviously want to win the division, but in this shortened season, the advantage is there. If you win the division, you get the three games at home, um, but it's obviously a little bit different this time around. So, how much the playoffs being virtually assured? I, I won't say assured, but virtually assured. Uh, knock on wood. How much you care about the, about the division versus like coasting and setting things up for the playoffs? Like, I don't know. Obviously, you want to win it, but is it like pins and needles every day? You're going to be following the standings, or are you just mm-hmm. okay with the way that things are going? So, it's a good question. Um, I think, I, I okay, I'll say this. I want the Braves to win the division. I think you Everyone do. Does. I think everybody yes. does. Um, honestly, if I'm the Braves, I my, my top priority would be avoiding the Dodgers until the NLCS. Now, if you're the two seed and the Dodgers are effectively the one seed, well, there you go. You're guaranteed not to play the Dodgers. So if that's the case, you want to be the two seed because there's no, or I guess the three seed, because then there's no way that you're going to see them 
before. And really the Braves and Cubs have been kind of going back and forth with uh, with the two and three seed. That, that's, I think, what most people think is going to happen, assuming the Braves don't fall off a cliff. So far, yes. That, that is definitely the projected outcome that everyone has. The Braves have a substantial but not insurmountable lead over the Phillies, and yep. the Cubs have an even bigger lead over everybody in the Central. Um, the, yep. the Cardinals are in second place in the Central at 14 and 14. Uh, granted, that's the shortened schedule, but they're 500 mm-hmm. and, they're second, and they're in second place. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I look around the National League, even with even after Anthopolis didn't go out and add a starter. I still think this team is clearly the second best. The Cubs bullpen is just not there. Um, you Darvish has been really good, but the rest of that rotation does nothing for me that they don't scare me. Um, I think the Braves on paper are better. And again, it's on paper. They were also on paper significantly better than the Cardinals last year. And we know how that went. Um, but I think other than the Dodgers who are just unworldly and again, weird stuff happens in a short series, but, um, I guess to answer the question, yes, I want the Braves to win the East. I think they will win the East. And if it means in turn that they miss the Dodgers until the very final round, because I think the Dodgers are head and shoulders better than the Braves right now and will continue to be that that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers are at this second in time, 29 and 10, which is outrageous. Uh, They're on a pace that would be, uh, pretty silly i think over what's yeah they're on a 120 win pace in a regular season granted i'm not sure that keeps up but still they're <laughs> head and shoulders they're ridiculous so yeah i you're, think you're really just oh i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say i, I think i agree with you my that's my only takeaway is that yeah. avoiding the dodgers is the biggest thing i you know winning the division is huge but i will say this because the padres are looking to be pretty locked into the four seed the padres are I've, you know, are multiple games ahead of everybody else that's not a division winner right now. If mm. you assume that they are the four seed, um, I guess you what you don't want to do is play the Padres. Um, so if you don't win the division, mm. you probably end up as the fi- as the five seed, and that means the Padres in the first round. The Padres are uh, quite loaded. You don't want yeah. to play the Padres. So that that's the only thing. Like I, I've been a person until recently that was kind of like, all right, well, the division's not that important. I'll focus on the playoffs. Um, everyone wants to win the division, like, like you said. But I, I do think now that the Padres are pretty loaded, I would not want to play them. And the only way to avoid that as well is winning the division. So yep. that's even more of a reason to want to win the division. Because right now, if the playoffs started today and they're not going to hold this way, I'm sure, the Braves would be playing the Marlins. Or if it wasn't the Marlins, they'd be playing the you know the Rockies are in there, the Brewers, the Giants, like yeah. these teams Maybe that are not Cardinals, terribly yeah. impressive. Yeah, Cardinals. These teams are not uh, not scary. Not, not that you know you can still lose <laughs> those series. It's just, it's a three game series in baseball. The Dodgers could lose in the first round. I mean yeah. that, that that's the thing about the, the, this three game format. The Dodgers, who we all agree are incredible, could lose in the first round. It's a three game baseball series. Like anything yeah. can happen in a three game baseball series. But yeah. you would obviously much rather play those teams than the Padres. I think right now. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not only avoiding the Dodgers, but if you're the, the two or the three seed, um, it's it's two chances for the Dodgers to lose in either that shortened three game series, True. as you said, or in the NLDS. Um, it, it's just another opportunity, as we saw with the Nationals last year. Uh, they uh, they, of course, knocked out the Dodgers and then they, they caught a break with the Cardinals and, and just kind of cruised right in. Um, you want to make life as easy as possible for you. And if you can avoid the best team, which is the Dodgers, I think the, it would be in the Braves favor. Uh, to be captain obvious. Yep, and uh, great analysis from there, from us now. Uh, win the division, <laughs> better than not winning the division. I wanted to point that out. Now, it is worth yeah. discussing, though, because you know I'm guilty of this. I always focus on the playoff odds, and um, 
obviously you have to get in the playoffs. That's the most important thing. But winning the division does have its advantages, uh, even in this beyond bizarre pandemic-led season. All right, Scott, we've given people enough, I think, for this Labor Day weekend episode of the podcast. Again, a reminder, Sunday night will not be a podcast unless there's something crazy happening, which does happen sometimes. We have been pretty hot with creating emergency podcasts this year. But uh, I wanted to make sure people had something to listen to over the weekend and give us a little break on Sunday night as well into the Labor Day, into the Labor Day holiday. But uh, anything to plug this evening, mm-hmm. Scott, or, have, or are we out of takes? I'm out of takes. I wanted to. Uh, it was good to get my uh, my Brian Snicker takes out. So thanks to everyone for listening to me ramble. Great timing uh, <laughs> on that too. Dude. I mean, we obviously yeah. we play on this we play on this podcast like for like three or four days now. Uh, we did not know there was going to be a smorgasbord of Friday night content, uh, which yep. that helped us. So there you go. We'll have to do these more often, right? Right? No, maybe <laughs> no absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but no, everyone have a good holiday weekend. Be safe. Be smart. Uh, and yeah, until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. Please subscribe to the podcast. I'm not entirely sure when the next show will be, but it will not be long. I think people have noticed this. We've been uh, very good about being consistent and frequent in the podcast realm so far this year. That will continue. We'll have a new show by middle of next week or something like that in the next week or two for sure. And uh, stay tuned. Subscribe. Tell a friend. See you next time.